Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Missed you last week. I was sick. There's a lot of people down with the flu at the moment. Um, yeah, so it's good to be here. Romans chapter 14. I'm going to finish this chapter today. Be welcome to Micah. Romans 14, verses 13 to 23. 13 to 23. So just a, just a, a very brief um, overview of what uh, Nate taught last week um, in verses 1 to 12. And we see that Paul basically sums up this whole chapter in verse 1 of chapter 14. Because he says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So we, are, we as Christians are not to fight over our own personal opinions. Now, what's really important here to know is that Paul's not talking about sin or the core doctrines of our faith. He's talking about Disputable things, things of tradition. And notice how he mentions those who are weak. Paul's not suggesting that these people are spiritually immature. Now, the weakness he is referring to is found in one specific area of their walk. Because we've got to remember the context here. A lot of the people who were getting saved in Rome, who were coming to this church, um, came from a Jewish background. And when they came to Christ, they, they struggled to let go of their uh, Mosaic traditions. And the Jews, they have rules and regulations for, for everything, from what you eat to how that food is prepared, right down to the type of clothing that you should and should not wear. But it wasn't just the Jews, because some of the Gentile believers struggled in this area as well, Did this, um, particularly around the issue concerning meat that had been offered to idols. Some Christians had no problem with it. They'd get stuck into the, they'd get stuck into the barbecue, barbecue that you know, it would not affect their conscience. But some Christians, they struggle with that. And then you had the issue of observing Jewish holidays uh, and Sabbaths. Some were, were doing that, some weren't. And what was happening, all these different things were causing conflict within the church. People were arguing over these things. Now, when we look at today, the, the, the issue of meat sacrificed to idols it's certainly more of an issue that they would have dealt with back in that day. You know, it's not something we would deal with today. But we've, we've had a couple of thousand years to add to the list, haven't we? Uh, and there are Christians today who would have legalistic views regarding a, a variety of issues. But at the same time, these things are disputable. You know, the Bible is not clear either way on certain issues. <clears throat> from, for example, tattoos to drinking alcohol, watching TV to what you can and cannot eat, smoking, clothing, music. 
So these things are, as I said, things which the Bible does not provide us with specific instruction. For example, if one believer decides that watching TV is wrong, while another Christian thinks that, well, it, it's fine, there's no harm in it, is one believer right and the other one wrong? No, because the Bible says it doesn't even mention TV. It wasn't invented back in the days when the Bible was written. Now, the problems begin when that same person tells others that watching TV is somehow less spiritual or even a sin. That's when the problems start. And Paul made it clear that we are not to despise or judge others. We saw that in last week's text. We are not to look down on people just because they are caught up in this, this, this legalistic attitude over certain things. Because it's not our position to judge anyone over these matters. In fact, Paul directs us to start looking at our own lives, to examine our own hearts, and see how our actions, how our attitudes are affecting those around us. Because it's very, very easy to have a judgmental attitude, isn't it? It is so easy. And if you're, if you're not sure whether you have one or not, then ask your spouse, ask your husband, ask your wife, ask your friends, do you find me judgmental? And if they start to snigger before they answer, I... I, I <laughs> I'd start listening. But we, we, can, we can all fall into this trap, can't we? We really can. So we need to stop worrying about what everyone else is doing because, let's face it, we have enough things in our own lives, in our own hearts to be dealing with. But we also need to be questioning our motives. Is what I'm doing pleasing to the Lord? Or is it, in fact, just a selfish selfish pursuit is it a waste of time you know sitting in front of an xbox or a tv or on social media for hours on end is that pleasing to god now it's it's not sinful it's not wrong but you have to be honest is it honoring god and if the answer is no then then what are we going to do about it what are we going to do about it because as Paul reminds us here in verses 10 to 12, one day you and I will stand before Jesus. And we will have to give an account as to how we lived our Christian lives. And Paul says here, he speaks of judgment. So we will be judged as, as, as believers. Now, not with regards to sin. Our sin is covered by his blood. We will be judged as to what we did with our time. And the word for judgment here in the Greek um, is bima. So what is a bima seat? In, in ancient Greece, they were big into their athletics, weren't they? And so a bima seat, the judge would sit on this seat, and when all the, all the guys came in from the race, he would judge who gets the reward. So this is about reward. It's, it's not about judgment against sin. So we will be judged according to what we did with our time as Christians on this earth. So the first 12 ver verses of chapter 12 dealt with our attitude. And now Paul, in this new section, he addresses our actions. 
So as Christians, we have the freedom to practice those things that the Bible has not forbidden. But there's one condition, and that is love. It's love. It's the type of love that puts the interests of others before our own. And it's something that's it's not always easy. It's a love that asks, is the practice of my freedoms having a negative effect on a fellow believer? So in verse 13, Paul says, and this is today's first verse, therefore, so again, if you see therefore, you've got to look what Paul has just said, what went before it. So therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So let's not do anything that might cause a fellow believer to stumble. Now, an example. Scripture does not tell us that it is sinful to drink alcohol, does it? It doesn't say anywhere there. But what's clear and what God does command is that we should not get drunk. Because getting drunk is sinful. And Paul wrote in his first letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 8, 9. He said, take care that this right of yours, whatever it may be, does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So some of us here this morning have the freedom to drink alcohol. You can drink alcohol and not allow yourself to get drunk. But that freedom, it comes with a responsibility. A responsibility towards those who do not have such freedoms. And some of us here this morning, and myself included, we do not have the freedom to drink alcohol. We must abstain so it wouldn't be very loving to, for example, crack open a bottle of wine at family feast or start handing out beers at, at a church camping trip. If you have the freedom to do something that others may not have, don't flaunt it in their faces. Don't do it. Because you might cause them to stumble. Verse 14, I know and I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. So there are no unclean foods, none whatsoever. Even meat that wasn't prepared, wasn't prepared according to Jewish custom. Even meat that had been offered to idols. And Jesus spoke about this in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 15 and 11. And Jesus said, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. So Paul is saying that he's convinced by the Lord. And this is the passage that he's referring to here. So there is nothing unclean relating to food or drink. Paul is being really clear here. However... If a Christian believes something to be unclean, then it's just that. It's unclean for that individual Christian. So here Paul is talking about a person's conscience. 
So for those who consider certain things unclean, then it is unclean. So Paul here is, is speaking about a principle by which we can judge those, those gray areas in our lives. Now remember, he's not talking about sin. He's stealing, sexual immorality, murder, adultery. It will, it will always be sinful. He's addressing the questionable areas, such as the examples he's using here, the problems that they had in this church over food and drink and the celebration of religious holidays. So there are situations when we must take into account someone's conscience before we exercise our freedoms in Christ. And I should never pressure anyone to eat or drink anything that they view as unclean. Because if they succumb to my pressure, then they will feel condemned, won't they? They say, oh no, I can't believe it. I, I just had a drink. You know, I know I shouldn't be drinking, but he offered it to me. He didn't seem to have a problem. And we, we know where that can end up. Because when someone considers something to be a sin, it is sinful for them. They can't go near it. They can't touch it. Verse 15, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. You know, our freedoms to eat what we want, to drink what we want, or whatever it might be, isn't more important than love. As Paul points out, our fla by flaunting your freedom, in front of those with strong personal convictions in that area, it's wrong. And it's certainly not loving. So we have to be mindful about how our actions affect those around us. And this is how we prevent ourselves from stumbling others. It really is. A question came up in the early church whether a Christian could eat the meat that was sacrificed to idols. And meat offered on these pagan altars, they were, they were divided up usually into three separate portions. So one portion was burnt up to, 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 uh, to honor the, the pagan god. Another portion was given to the worshiper to, to take home and eat. But a third por por portion was, was usually given to the, the, the priests or the, the caretakers of whatever temple it was. And to supplement their income, they would sell this meat to the local markets. And it would have been advertised as such because it would have been really, really good quality food. Because people were sacrificing. They were giving their best animals, their healthy animals to their God. So you had this meat which had been sacrificed at these pagan altars available in the markets. And this raised concern for some Christians. Could you eat this meat? Did this pagan ritual somehow taint it? Other believers had no problem. They had no issue of getting, getting stuck in, you know. And, and they were right. It, it made no difference. Now, let me read to you what Paul said to the Corinthians regarding this matter. I think we're going to have 1 Corinthians 8 up on, up on the screen, up on the, up on the wall. 
Um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 to 13. So let's look at verse 7. Paul, in relation to this, he says, However, not all possesses this knowledge. So what knowledge is Paul referring to here? It's the knowledge that these idols are nothing. They don't exist. So it's perfectly fine to eat this meat. But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. So some were highly offended that fellow believers were eating this meat. Why? Because they came from this background of idol worship. So it makes sense that they wanted to have absolutely nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with this meat. And they certainly weren't going to eat it. So for them, it was a sin to eat this meat. Look at verse 8. Food will condemn us to God, commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off as we do. So it's neutral, isn't it? No harm if you eat it, no harm if you don't. Verse 9. But take care that this right of yours, so he's talking to the stronger Christians, the ones that realize that, look, these idols don't exist, so I can get stuck into this tasty barbecue. So take care that this right of yours, this, this freedom that they had, does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Verse 10. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge, so this is the understanding that that's me is fine, eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if, he, if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? Paul is warning those who have this freedom to eat this meat. He says to them, look, if you continue to practice your freedoms, then you may run the risk of dragging a fellow brother and sister back into the lifestyle that they are trying to keep away from. It's common sense, isn't it? It's, it this is not complicated. And Paul continues in verses 11 and 13. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. There may be a time when that person feels strong enough, feels able to, to eat that meat. But for the time being, Paul is saying, be sensitive around these people. Then he says, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble... This is what Paul says that he's going to do. I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So Paul had the freedom to eat and drink whatever he wanted, which is interesting because he came out of a very legalistic religion. But he said, he's decided for the sake of others that he wasn't going to partake in case he stumbles somebody. So for the sake of another believer, I must be prepared to lay down my freedoms. If a fellow believer tells me that they don't think they should be drinking coffee because it's a stimulant, they, they might actually go as far as to say they believe it's a sin, then if I just ignore it and go make him a nice cup of coffee and he drinks it and then he feels convicted, then I've just stumbled him. And that's wrong. And I'm certainly not going to sit opposite drinking a lovely big mug of coffee. Again, it, that would be wrong. So we need to be honoring other people's convictions. 
no matter how stupid we might think them be. If you must enjoy your freedoms privately, drink your coffee at home. Now remember, Paul is not talking about sin here. So I'm just going to throw that one in there. Another example. If I knew a fellow believer had a problem with alcohol, then you're not going to offer him a glass of wine because that would not be very loving. And it's not just areas like, like drinking food. I have a, a good Christian friend who, he cannot listen to, to certain types of music. Because if he does, he told me he almost gets flashbacks of the type of lifestyle he used to live with drinks and, dr- drink and drugs and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I, can, I like and I listen to Led Zeppelin, but for him, that would be a stumbling block. So buying the Bee Gees. I don't think you could go far wrong, but, you know, it might sound silly, but, but for him, it, it's a serious matter. When he got saved, he threw out the majority of the music he had. Arguments within the church, disagreements between believers, it nearly always begins, it starts with these gray areas, these doubtful, these disputable things where one person digs in and refuses to give up his freedoms, and then the other starts to judge and despise him and makes him out to be a sinner. Both those people are wrong. See, they don't realize that both positions are absolutely fine with God. They're fine. Now Paul speaks about how people view our behavior. Verses 16 to 18, we're back in Romans chapter 14. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is a matter of eating, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So we mustn't allow something that is good. So what's, what's the good thing? It's, it's our freedoms, the freedoms that we have from religious rules and regulations. We mustn't allow those freedoms to be viewed as evil by other believers. And some people, they like to make these issues super important, don't they? They go out of the way to advertise either their freedoms or their prohibitions. In fact, they'd be the last one to even consider that their actions are are any way, shape, or form problematic for anybody else, which in turn makes those who are weak in certain areas, as I said before, and as Paul said, view their actions as evil. If you have the freedom to eat and drink whatever you want, then go ahead and knock yourself out. Get stuck in. But once you start involving other people, once you start inviting people around for dinner, around for a barbecue, or out for a meal, then you need to question your own personal behavior. You need to ask yourself, am I stumbling someone by ordering a steak? Am I offending? Am I stumbling someone by ordering a beer? And it's not a big ask, is it? And notice how Paul reminds us 
that we didn't come to faith in Christ just to eat and drink. So it's not the rules or the absence of rules that matters. What matters is that we have been declared righteous. We are born again, a new creation. We are regenerated because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And through that, we experience the love and joy and peace. We experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, our freedoms to eat and drink are nothing, nothing in comparison to those benefits. Nothing. So what's the big deal of laying them to one side? What's the point of, of arguing over these issues? Because let's face it, there are a lot more important issues that deserve our attention. A lot more. And God is pleased when we choose to refrain from certain things because of our concerns for other. He's pleased. He's happy when we do that. But it also, it edifies the body, doesn't it? It builds people up. It strengthens our faith. And now in verses 19 to 21, Paul encourages those strong Christians to forego eating milk, eating meat, if it will help weaker believers from stumbling. All this talk of me, I'm really getting hungry. So verse 19, <clears throat> excuse me. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual building up. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, didn't he? Hebrews 12, verse 14, the author said, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So are we willing to forfeit our liberty for the sake of a weaker brother. Verse 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So we are not to destroy the work of God, the work that God is doing in an individual's life, for the sake of our freedoms. We mustn't do that. If the practice of my freedom causes someone else to stumble, it is wrong, it is sinful. And this issue really isn't about food itself. It's about doing the loving thing. Verse 21. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Now, a good few years back when this church was down on, on Morgan Street, we had, a, we had a Jewish family. Uh, they were Messianic Jews. They got saved out of Judaism. And they, they attended the church for a, for, for a good while. And um, after the husband attended men's breakfast for, for a few Saturdays, we have men's breakfast once a month, guys. It's great. Please come along. You know, he asked. He had some concerns. He asked, would it be okay if we stopped eating black pudding? Why? Because there was blood in it. So he came out of Judaism, and he was still bringing things with him from, from that. If you remember, God, God said to Noah, don't eat anything that's got blood in it. And that carried on through, through the law. So 
Clay said it to me. Clay, everyone knows Clay. And, you know, I wasn't too impressed. Actually, I was more than not too impressed. I, I said to my, well, I said to Clay, how dare he tell me that I can't eat some bit of Denny's black pudding? <laughs> yeah, who does this guy think he is? So I dug my heels in and I said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm turning up. Next men's meeting, I'll have extra black pudding with me. <laughs> now, Clay said, no, he didn't argue with me. He said, Tyrone, go home, open up Romans 14. Open up this. And I did it. And I felt convicted. <laughs> oh, and yeah, I read it. And I realized that it was more important for me to give up my freedom in the area of Denny's black pudding than to offend my brother. I could eat all the black pudding I wanted at home. So it really wasn't much of a sacrifice. And by giving up my freedom in this area, my brother in Christ was, was in good conscience able to attend men's breakfast. His faith, our faith was strengthened. The, the, the fellowship was blessed. And guess what? God was pleased. God was pleased with me, despite my initial reaction. We're works in progress, aren't we, guys? We really are. <laughs> Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4, and I think Nate covered this last night, last week. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's walking in love, isn't it? And love is the simplest way in which you and I, as believers, is the simplest way that we can build one another up. It's so encouraging, isn't it? And the last point that Paul makes is found in verses 22 to 23. So we're nearly finished. Verse 22. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Paul has told the stronger Christian to stop eating and drinking things that may offend the weaker brother. But this doesn't mean that he can never exercise his freedoms. For example, eat a vegetarian meal so as not to stumble your brother, but feel free to whip out the frying pan and throw on a T-bone steak when they leave. That's what he's saying there. Just make sure they haven't left their phone behind. How embarrassing would that be? They come in, oh, what's that smell? It's the new air freshener. <laughs> verse 23 but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin so if you believe it's sin to eat a certain food to listen to a certain type of uh, music to drink al alcohol Whatever it is that you do not have the freedom to do in these gray areas, then don't do it. Because if you do, you will feel condemned and you'll struggle. And this will, in turn, it will affect your faith. So if you're troubled by something you're doing, 
something that's not necessarily a sin, then stop doing it. You know, put down your iPhone, pick up your Bible. Turn off Netflix and pray. Just a couple of examples. So in conclusion, our example of putting others before our own needs and freedoms is, it's a powerful, it's an incredible witness of the love of God, isn't it? And remember that people are watching. And when they see us living together in peace with lives filled with hope and joy, when they see us walking in the way of love, they see the gospel. They see Jesus. Amen? So we have the elements of communion up here and, and, and in the back, of the back of the church. Jesus said, take this and do it in memory of me. So, you know, do some business with the Lord. You know, if there's something that you need to repent of, do it. Do it before you take communion. And remember the sacrifice that our Lord made to, to redeem us. Just remember the, that crown of thorns. Remember the whip. Remember his wounds. Remember that when we have our perfect bodies, when we go to be with him in heaven, he'll have the only disfigured body in heaven because he, he'll still have his wounds as an eternal reminder of what he's done for us. And if you need prayer, Danny and I will be in the back. We'll be more than happy to pray for you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so, so patient with us. Jesus, we thank you that you love us so much that you went to the cross for us, Lord. Lord, I ask you to give us the, give us the ability, Lord, to put others ahead of ourselves. Give us the love we need to put that into action, to put you first, Lord God, and others ahead of ourselves. <clears throat> Lord, our flesh does not want to do that. Our flesh rebels against that, but Lord, we ask that you would help us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would bind the enemy from us, Lord. We ask you to fill us with your spirit and remind us, Lord, to, to think of others, to pray for others, to lift one another up. Uh, thank you, Lord, for how privileged I am that I am part of this family, Lord this expression of your church here in Waterford, Lord. How blessed we all are. So Jesus, we thank you for everything. And we give you all the thanks and praise. Amen.